Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. I hope this finds you well enough after what has been a fairly up and down week for the Arsel, but there has been some Danielson-esque sideways movement too and a bit of diagonalism and everybody needs more diagonalism in their life. It's true. There's been a lot going on, football-wise, which is good. Um, we like to focus on the football, if at all possible, and not the nothing that happens, because you can get hung up on the nothing, and then the nothing becomes something until you realize that the something is actually nothing at all, and there's nothing you can do about the something which is nothing. So it's better just to focus on the actual something, the football. And we had that. We had Liverpool, Udinese away in the Champions League. We'll be looking ahead to Manchester United this Sunday um, at Old Trafford, uh, and that's a bit scary at, at the time of recording because uh, there are injuries and suspensions and potential more injuries. And we'll have to see um, how all that goes. But uh, really, there's not much we can do other than, well, just get on with it. Um, so we'll be looking ahead to that game a little bit later on in the show. So uh, let's start with Liverpool last weekend. And from a results point of view, it wasn't positive. But up to the point where we got the red card, I thought there were encouraging signs. I didn't think Liverpool looked that dangerous at all when it was 11 v 11. Now, that's not to say they were particularly good either. And for all the talk about us spending money, if we'd spent £35 million on Andy Carroll, I would be quite unhappy, I have to say. I know sometimes you hear the, uh, the old phrase, he's got good feet for a big man. No, he doesn't. He falls over a lot. And he has all the ball control of a knock-kneed amputee elephant whose foot has been amputated and replaced by the foot of Sylvester, for example. Not good at all. And he wasn't particularly threatening apart from, from one header. And, and what was encouraging was uh, the young guys that came into the team and really, really tried hard. He had Mikel who came on when Koscielny got injured. Jenkinson starting the game. Uh, Frimpong. Um, and we'll come to him in a moment. Uh, really encouraging that they did well and uh, didn't hide and tried their hardest. And the crowd as well was a, a tremendous positive because they really were behind the team, really behind the team from the start. And it was interesting because of all the negativity that's been around. It was interesting that the crowd were so positive and encouraging. And that was fantastic. And when you look at the uh, the interview that Samir Nasri gave uh, to his new club, after he went there all summer and talked about, oh, how it was such a relief to get out of Arsenal, as if it was the worst place in the world to be. And when he spoke about, you know, the, the Arsenal fans, he said they're good fans, but they're not passionate. And frankly, that's, that's wrong. Because the Arsenal fans 
were right behind their team on Saturday, to the point where they also got behind Samir Nasri. Such was their passion for the team, and wanting the team to do well and perform, they willingly and consciously overlooked the fact that Nasri has been a complete and utter cunt all summer long. From the time he got a a contract offer worth £90,000 a week and agreed that contract offer and then refused to sign it, having been tapped up, and we know he's been tapped up by Man City, it's obvious from what he said, it's obvious anyway, but it's obvious from what he said about who he was speaking to all summer long, that he has been tapped up by Manchester City. He has acted the cunt, but the Arsenal fans, in support of their team, for the most part, ignored that. There was um, some muted boos when his name was was read out, but when he uh, played well and had a shot that went just wide, fans got behind him and applauded him. So for him to say that the Arsenal fans weren't passionate, well, that's a bit of a cunt's trick. But then what do you expect from a cunt who's acted like a cunt all summer long? Anyway, he's a thing of the past now. And we've got to look to the future. And we got a glimpse of the future as well, didn't we, with Frimpong? An all-action, whatever it was, 70 minutes or something that he played. The booking that he got was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, the first one, because uh, he thought it was our throw and he thought the guy was holding on to it. And the ref should have just had a word, really, shouldn't he? Because there was something in midweek, I can't remember what I was watching. Oh, it was Spurs against uh, United. And uh, Kabul went head-to-head. He stuck his head in on Nanny, I think it was. And the ref came over and had a word and said, look, you can't do that. And didn't book either of them. And, you know, if that sort of common sense applied throughout the game, Frimpong would have lasted 90 minutes and Arsenal probably would have got a result on Saturday. The tackle, well, that's what happens when a 19-year-old who's pumped up and full of uh, energy and eagerness and, and willingness to kick people up in the air simply because they don't wear an Arsenal shirt. Well, you know, that's the danger. And the paucity of options that we had means that we couldn't really replace him. Uh, so it was a bit unfortunate, but, uh, you know, he got a good ovation going off because people saw that he really gave everything for the Arsenal. And uh, his comments in midweek on Twitter were absolutely fantastic when Wilshire uh, said, oh, goodbye to Nasri, wish him luck. And uh, Frimpong goes, come on, Jack. And that's what we want. We want more of that. Less of the hugging the likes of Joey Barton and Nasri and more kicking them up in the air. Frimponging them right in their fucking frimpongs. That's what it's all about. But anyway, disappointing a result on Saturday, but still some encouragement. And of course, it was always nice to be there and have beers with people. And, and that's always fun too. And then midweek, Champions League, first half against Udinese. I, I can't be alone in thinking I sort of feared the worst for the second half. The way things have been going recently, it wouldn't have been at all surprising if we'd huffed and puffed our way through that second half and not found a goal. And while we were pushing for it, got caught on the break and let in one and gone out. And just it just wouldn't have been a surprise. But uh, it was a great second half, a really good show in the second half. And, you know, the obvious deficits we have in terms of quality are, are still there. And we all know that. Uh, but there was much more spirit and much more character about the side. The goals were good. And maybe, just maybe, that penalty save is something of a turning point uh, in our season. Not just our season, but in this sort of terrible run of form that we've been on uh, since the Carling Cup final. And uh, it was fantastic from Chesney. And it really is uh, a measure of him that, you know, sometimes you need a big player to step up and do something. And often it's the striker or it's the midfielder, the guy who creates or the guy who scores a goal. 
but surely there was as much encouragement from that penalty save as there would be from from any other kind of uh, impact another player could have on the pitch. So absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, and I think once we went ahead, that was that was it and showed some really great maturity and just basically killing off the game and not letting Udinese back into it, um, making sure that what we had, we held. So it means we go into the Champions League again. Uh, the draw was yesterday. We got Dortmund, Marseille and Olympiacos. Could have been worse. Could have been better, some people will say. Look at Man United. They got FC Basel and... Gloshnov Mirfriturf, whoever that is. I don't know who that is. And I'll tell you why I don't know who that is, is because they're nobody. And who the fuck wants to go and see nobody? When you're playing in Champions League football, you want to see good games of football. Yeah, on one hand, it could be easier to get through if you're playing Gloshnov Nifniff. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather play a good team and see a good game of football and see the team really tested? How does a team grow? How does a team gain experience if they win 8-0 against Nisnefla, blah, blah, you see? But if you're playing Dortmund or Marseille or Olympiacos, you know you're going to be tested, home and away. And it's up to us to come through those tests. And I'd rather we did that than play Flapadov, you see? So that's what I'm thinking. That's my thinking on the Champions League draw. Um... And I'm kind of looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to see what sort of a team we have to put out in those Champions League games. So generally speaking, it's been up and down this week, up and down. There's been good, there's been bad. And funnily enough, that's kind of what happens in general in football, isn't it? Some good, some bad. If you expect all good, then pretty much everything is bad all the time. And what tends to happen is if uh, things are bad all the time, you end up writing a blog with loads of exclamation marks. And <laughs> let's face it, nobody needs that. Right, coming up, we'll be talking to Tim Stillman about the week that was. Uh, right now, though, Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 22nd roundup. Liverpool, we got to win this. We haven't. Oh, Jesus. Now we've got Champions League in midweek. I'm so worried. One nil down at halftime. Oh, Jesus, we're going out of Europe. Penalty save. Two goals. We're in there. Fucking deadly. We're deadly again. Nasri gone to Man City. Says Arsenal fans have no passion. No passion, eh, Nasri? Well, I'll make love to you all night long. Then slap the tits out of you. Then come back and talk to me about passion, you chinless cunt. I'll be doing it for the team. More from that guy on next week's Arscast. Still to come, a look ahead to the weekend's fixture. Well, it's nothing really. Only the champions at Old Trafford. Uh, That's still to come. And an old friend returns, but now to talk about all the bits and pieces that have gone on from Vital Arsenal and also a columnist on this very blog, Tim Stillman. Hello there. Good evening. Champions League qualification. Let's uh, let's start with that. Uh, you were away in Udinese, enjoying all the uh, sunshine and wine and the football in the second yep. half, in particular. Um, result and performance maybe are secondary to the fact that we've actually qualified for the Champions League for the fifteenth consecutive season, and at a time when uh, things at the club are, are a little bit troubled, you might say. Uh, I don't think you can overstate the importance of that qualification. Not at all, and it's, it, it just seems to have lifted a little bit of the gloom around the club. Um, speaking to a lot of people after the Liverpool game on Saturday, a lot of people, myself included, very, very worried about this second leg. Um, very kind of, uh, very uptight about it. Uh, and actually, I, I, I thought it was by comfortably our best performance uh, this season. We, look, we looked a bit better going forward. Uh, Jovino really kind of added something. 
And um, I, even when we went 1-0 down, I didn't actually feel that worried because I always felt there was a goal in it. And uh, if you're looking for little moments that can turn your season sometimes, um, Chesney's penalty save uh, might well be that. Um, it might well be the making of what looks like a fantastic goalkeeping career for him. But it might just be a little, a little turning point for us because we just scored in the game. Things were going along quite nicely. And then we get that setback with the penalty. And had Lazy scored that, we could have been in for a very bumpy ride. Mm. But that save just completely knocked the life out of them. And uh, it's, it's kind of symptomatic of that young man's form so far this season. I mean, it is true that, you know, things can turn so quickly in football when you look at how well Arsenal were going until the Champions League or the Carling Cup final. Uh, yeah. And that moment towards the end of the game, which uh, which won it for Birmingham. Sometimes you need something like that again to, to lift you out of it. And maybe that penalty save will, will do that for Arsenal, which is, um, that was a brilliant save. I mean, they showed great character as well because... You know, in the uh, in the first half, we, we played very well and probably should have been ahead before they scored. Uh, and it would have been very easy for heads to go down, I think. Uh, you know, but they came out second half. Manager made a good change. Rosicki coming on for Frimpong. And I don't think anybody really would have um, seen uh, Rosicki as a game changer, but he really did make a difference. And I think it sort of sparked life into the team in general. No, I think so. And um, I... I think uh, I've always been a big fan of Rosicki, actually, even since he's come back from the injury. Um, I think he started last season very, very well. Um, it's clear that he can't he can't do 90 minutes anymore. I think his injuries have kind of curtailed that. But I think if we're looking for a good, experienced squad player um, who's got a lot of quality, um, I think Rosicki is a valuable member of the squad, and I, I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, that's been recognised. Mm. Um, actually, because I think he's one of the few players actually that that really does kind of try and push the team on, really tries to push the team forward with his passing. Uh, I'd perhaps like to see him be a bit more speculative with attempts on goal occasionally, um, but nevertheless, he kind of I think he just speeds up our play a little bit in the midfield sometimes, where we can be a little too ponderous. Um, and I think he really, really added that, and he really helped us change the game. Um, and when you've got players like Javinho and Walcott in there um, who you know rely on that kind of pace in the game who can really cause damage and, and both of them did in the end actually. Mm. I mean it's interesting you talk about taking shots, the first goal came from a Rosicki shot which was blocked from about 25-30 uh, yards so uh, interesting. Let's um, be happy with Champions League qualification and, and look back towards Saturday when when Arsenal played Liverpool and 11 v 11, I thought it was a fairly uh, fairly even game. Neither team was particularly great, but I didn't really no. feel in any way that Arsenal were under were under pressure. Frim, Frimpong uh, got a red card, and I suppose a deserved red card, given the fact that he was on a yellow. We can d- dispute the first yellow all we want. Um, a measure, of, I suppose, of his inexperience. Um, but what's what's really interesting to me is that despite the fact he got sent off and his his sending off had such a uh, an impact on the game because you know I won't say it cost us the game because that's that's not fair and I'm not trying to blame him in any way. What's interesting is the fact that he he, he generates support from the fans yeah. pretty much unanimously because the, the effort and the uh, the heart and and you could see how much it meant to him to be out there and if he was a little overzealous well maybe he'll learn from that I think he said on Twitter already he'll yeah. learn from that on on top of some uh, other really entertaining things on Twitter this week yeah. um, but it is it's interesting to see a player like that isn't it who's done something that perhaps another player might have got slaughtered for but everyone is behind yeah. 
And actually, I think I think actually the crowd um, on Saturday recognised that throughout the whole team. Uh, the the crowd actually really seemed to stay with the team, uh, despite the fact that you know we didn't really look that impressive, and neither did Liverpool. Uh, ultimately, right, the sending off coupled with Suarez coming into the game um, really changed it. And actually, it was the level of inexperience that lost it in the end. It wasn't just the Frimpong sending off, but you look at the first goal. Rams is 19 years old. He's not tracked his man in Morelesh. Um, ball comes to Mikel in the area. He's 19 years old. Doesn't want to clear the ball on his weak foot, so takes a heavy touch. And actually, there's just a combination of areas that mm. slightly more experienced players wouldn't have made. But I think we all recognised that, and I think we all recognised actually the the effort that a lot of young lads put in. Lansbury came on. Jenkinson came into the game and I think we all realised that there was no shortage of effort or heart there and um, the supporters were quite generous um, there. I, I tend to think actually we recognise that the manager put a lot of them in quite an unfair position yeah. um, you know like I said with Ramsey showing a bit of inexperience not tracking a run who's covering him another 19 year old boy is covering him uh, after another 19 year old boy has just been sent off and it was just <laughs> a little bit too much yeah. Um and I think we all recognised that, that that wasn't the player's fault um, so much. But go, going back to Frimpong, um, it was a very, very encouraging performance. I think what really kicked him on was, I think he had a, a strike on goal from about 25 yards, um, kind of halfway through the first half. Um, and that generated kind of a lot of support from the fans. And that really seemed to lift him up a little bit. Mm. Um, and you could, you could really see him kick on and try and drive the midfield forward. And ultimately, he... He's over enthusiastic, but I think we all realise that someone who's making their Premiership debut is probably going to be inclined to make errors like that. <laughs> and uh, but there are errors of errors of the heart, really, which which I think can be forgiven. But I, I've been impressed with what I've seen of him certainly so far this season. All right, the squad we'll come to in just a couple of moments' time, and a man who did play on on Saturday. Uh, was Samir Nasri and now is a Manchester City player, and that's not really a surprise to anybody. Uh, we knew that was coming all summer. Uh, to be fair to Nasri, he, he had a good game and he got a good reception from yeah. the fans. So it was a little bit, I suppose, galling to hear him talk about how yeah. Arsenal fans aren't as passionate as Manchester City fans, and you know, especially since they moved from Highbury, given all his great experience of Highbury. What are your general thoughts about Nasri, uh, the way it's been handled, and, and what it means? Uh, for the team and, and perhaps the manager as well? Well, um, I mean, the first thing to say is, yeah, I, I totally agree with with, uh, with the sentiment. On Saturday, he he actually played really well and there were some uh, some kind of chants against him at Newcastle and he obviously picked up on that. Um, but actually, he played well on Saturday and that again, that was recognised and the supporters were generous. And I came out and I thought, that's probably going to be his last game for us. That's probably a fair place to leave it now. Uh, and therefore, the comments are just totally unnecessary in that light. I think it made his point, um, and he didn't really need to say that. As for what it means for the squad, um, now, I think Nasri is a very, very good player. I he's very replaceable, though. Um, to get £24 million for someone in the last year of their contract is exceptional business. Mm. But it's only good business if we use the money. Um, and I'm, I'm scratching my head like a lot of people, I think, at the moment, and thinking... Why wasn't this done in June? Um, Manchester City wanted him in June. We knew he wasn't going to sign a contract. We're probably going to get the same kind of money for him. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We could have had this done and dusted by now, and... Fabregas, that was a harder situation transfer-wise because Barcelona weren't playing ball and we weren't in the driving seat. But with Nasri, I, I think it's been very messily dealt with um, by the club, actually, by the board and the manager. Um, I think they've been caught between two stools because I, I think Wenger was adamant he didn't want to lose Sesc and Nasri at the same time. Um, and actually, I think his heart overruled his head in that situation. Now he's lost both of them and he's got very little time to replace them both. Mm. Uh, and I don't think many of us are confident, given what's happened this summer, that they are going to be replaced. <laughs> um, because it's... I, I just don't understand why the business hasn't been done. Mm. Um, maybe there are reasons for it, but in, in lieu of an answer, um, I, I find it a bit baffling, to be honest. I, I think Nasri should have been out the door quite a long time ago. I, I think that was the, the general plan uh, for Nasri and Clichy to go... Uh, much much sooner than they did. They did the cliche business uh, earlier, but I think um, you know there's a there's an issue with Manchester City, and I think Nasri's comments where he spoke about how he'd been talking to uh, Toure and Clichy and Patrick Vieira all summer long um, would give you an idea of why the fee was was quite so high because Manchester City um, don't want Arsenal to make a fuss about the fact that you know he's clearly been. He's clearly been tapped up. But when we talk about new players and, and you know, while we can admire uh, the spirit and the character of the team uh, on Wednesday night against Udinese, the season is long and the season is difficult yeah. and you need, uh, you need some experience and you need some quality. And when you do let Fabregas go and when you let Nasri go, yeah. regardless of what you might think about why they went or however we might justify it, yeah. it both players leave a, a gap in, in the squad. Um, yeah. Aside from that, I mean, if you were, I'm not going to ask you to name any names because that's, we're getting into pure speculation there. But in terms of positions, um, you know, with RSM with 80 million pounds in, in his pocket, where would you like to see players come in? To, to be honest, if we're, I mean, realistically, it's not going to happen. I, I, I think four or five uh, mm. need to come in, really. I think we're desperate for a left back. Um, Kieran Gibbs is, is a good left back, but I mean he's he's not a good left back when he's not playing, and it's he's he's done very little to prove, unfortunately, that he can get anything close to a full season. And uh, I mean we were discussing this on Wednesday night. Sanya's in at left back, Jenkinson's playing. That's that's quite a makeshift back four, but it's only one injury that's caused that. 
Well, it's uh, it's telling as well, isn't it, that he won't he won't play yeah. Armand Traore, who's a who's a a left back, whether it's injury or whether it's just because it's Traore, we don't know. No, exactly, and uh, that's yeah. There's there's a level of trust he obviously doesn't have to shift the whole back line like that just because of one one injury. I'd, so I'd really like to see a left back come in. I would like to see a reinforcement in perhaps in defensive midfield as as good as Frimpong's been. Um, but really, for me, it's the creative edge of the team, and I, I've I've always thought that even if Fabregas and Nasri would have, were to stay, um, I'd have still brought another creative player in because I think the burden on Sox was just too much. Um, albeit he handled it manfully, um, but we just became too one-dimensional going through him. Uh, and I think we've seen a bit of a shift in that the managers kind of look to bring pace in, uh, bring a bit more pace and penetration to the the forward line and uh, that paid dividends last night I think um, but I still think we need someone to provide those bullets uh, and I, I know you can't go and replace Sesk like for like because that player doesn't exist unfortunately and even mm. if he did he's out of our price range um, so I, I mean whether it's one single player that replaces Sesk or whether it's two or three um, we've changed the emphasis of the team I don't know um, but what's clear is you lose players like Fabrias and Nasri, um, who are both bona fide first choice. They have to be replaced. It's as simple as that. And they have to be replaced with quality. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think certainly the creative side of the team is of the utmost importance at the moment, even more important than a centre-back, I'd say. All right. Um, well, we've got five days uh, till the transfer window closes, so we'll just have to wait and see what they've got at their sleeves. Uh, before we touch very briefly on Manchester United, you're you're a you're a traveller, and I mean that in the mm-hmm. nicest possible way. <laughs> Ch- yeah. Champions League draw, uh, Dortmund, Marseille, and Olympiacos. Thoughts on the draw in general? Um, yes, yes, very good. Uh, as you point out, I kind of look at a draw with two heads on. Um, <laughs> because uh, I, I didn't get to Dortmund the last time we played there and I've never been to Marseille, so some great trips there. Athens is a beautiful city. Um, on paper, the draw, I think uh, it's, it's a fairly tough one. I think it was looking nice until Dortmund came out of a hat there at the end um, and that's that, that's made it a slightly more interesting draw, I think. But ultimately, it's a group we should be qualifying from and we should be winning, really, because... In the group stages, as we know very well, you look at your home game, I'd expect seven points at the very least out of our home games. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd expect to be able to go to Olympiacos away, which I believe is now uh, confirmed as the last last game in the group. Um, I'd expect to be able to go there. I'd hope we'd be able to go there and not really need anything. Um, but I, 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 think, I think it's a decent group in that there's nothing to be taken for granted there. There's three good sides there. Mm. Um, I think there's three sides that we're better than. But, um, you know, we took our eye off the ball last year uh, in that group stage. And we started to underestimate teams like Shakhtar and Braga. Uh, I'd like to think that wouldn't happen this time, actually. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Dortmund came out at the end. I think that might keep us on our toes. No easy games, that's for sure. Um, finally, then, very quickly, Manchester United away. Uh, I suppose the difference between the, the two sides the, over the summer couldn't be more marked. United win the title, go out and buy two or three top-quality players, spend millions and millions of pounds. Arsenal 
failed to win the title, slip down to fourth, sell their best players and are sitting on a, on a pile of cash. Um, mm. We've got a lot of suspensions and possibly a lot of injuries. It's going to be a huge test, isn't it, for whatever team goes out there? Because at this point, maybe we could be surprised, but at this point it doesn't really look like there's going to be any, uh, any new arrivals between now and that game. No, no, certainly not. Certainly not enough time to, to bed them in in any, any serious way. Uh, you're right, that's, it's a huge test, and I think we'd all be delighted with a draw if you gave it to us now. The only thing that may work in our favour is I think, I think Ferguson's had us worked out um, the last couple of years. Um, for example, in the FA Cup game, we all looked at the team that Ferguson picked for that FA Cup time, thought, oh, he's picked a bit of a reserve team. Actually knew exactly what he was doing. He put four defenders, three defenders rather, in his midfield. Uh, and that was by design. That was quite intentional um, because it suits their kind of counter-attacking game against us. Uh, but may- maybe uh, we're a bit of an unknown quantity to them now. Um, I-, I think it's very unfortunate Jovino can't play because I've-, I've been quite impressed by what I think he can bring us in terms of penetration in the final third. Um, I don't know. I'd-, I'd-, I'd be delighted with the draw, uh, personally. And, mm. uh, and then to kind of go into the international... Uh, the international break and and really build on that. I, I'm not too hopeful, uh, <laughs> if I'm absolutely honest. But the, the last time we won there, we were in a very similar position. I think we ha- we hadn't won our first three games. Uh, I think we were in the bottom four uh, at the time of kickoff. Uh, so you know, maybe history will repeat itself, but I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> all right, I, I think I know where you're coming from there. All right, we better leave it there, uh, Tim Stillman. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Tim Stillman. You can find him on Vital Arsenal, writing stuff for them. Also on Twitter, it's Little Dutch VA. That's his Twitter account. He's also doing stuff, I believe, for Gingers for Limpar. What a total slut. And of course, there's his Arse Blog column, which you can find on arseblog.com every single week. We'll catch up with him as the season progresses. Now, though, this. Hello, I am the penis of William Gallas. Now, I know that many of you think that I am a total dick. And to be fair, you are right. I am. But also, I think that I should be given some credit for remarkable insight into the character of some of my teammates. For many years, I had a problem with the penis of Samir Nasri. I told everybody, this Nasri, he is big trouble, but nobody listened. They say, penis of William Gallas, you are such a dick, we are not going to listen to you talking about the penis of Samir Nasri. But I would tell them how he would come into the showers, and he would steal my bottle of links and simply laugh when I challenged him. <laughs> he would say, "Ah, and the penis of Samir Nasri, and I come from Marseille. There is nothing you can do, penis of William Gallas. But I am an old and experienced penis. I know that if you give someone time, their true colors will show through. And so it has come to pass with the penis of Samir Nasri." He has gone to Manchester for the money, for the money, and also for the money. I think the one thing we can all take from this is that the penis of Samir Nasri is such a dick, he has become a cunt. 
On the plus side, the next time I see him and tell him to go fuck himself, he might actually be able to do it. So, looking ahead to the weekend, well, it could be easier, you have to say. At this particular moment in time, there's no injury news, but Koscielny is out, or has been out from last Saturday. We don't know if he's going to be back. There was some talk that uh, Thomas Vermalen was a doubt. Arsene Wenger saying that um, they were looking to take him off the other night against Udinese. So whether he's fit enough to play remains to be seen. Song is suspended. Gervinho is suspended. Gibbs, probably broken, you would have to say. So it's all a bit up in the air in terms of what we have and who we have available. And whether or not we get some new players in between now and then remains to be seen. I wouldn't necessarily be uh, optimistic about that. David Miles, the club secretary, was talking yesterday at the UEFA draw and saying that while the transfer window is open, the club are still ready for business. But uh, I think we needed players this week uh, for this game at Old Trafford on Sunday. Um, We head into an interlull after this game, and it would be nice to go into it um, without the misery and doom of a defeat. I'd take a draw. Wouldn't leave us in great uh, position at this moment in time, but there's still a long way to go in the season, provided, of course, that we... Uh, did some business between now and the end of the transfer window. I would take a draw. I would take a not big defeat as well, almost. I'm a little bit afraid of what might happen on Sunday, given the uh, the state of our squad at this moment in time. And that's why I think it really, really is incumbent on the manager and the board to take the money that's available to them and spend it and make sure that we've got as strong a team as we can possibly have going into this season because uh, we got it not that we got away with it on Wednesday night against Udinese we did really well and I'm not trying to take away from that performance but you can't expect that every game um, and when the replacements that we have are, are quite young and inexperienced um, we saw what inexperienced did on Saturday against Liverpool the money is there to make signings and the signings should be made I know that we were after a centre-half this week. We went to the club. We were talking with them. But apparently they wanted too much money uh, for this particular centre-half with only a year left on his contract. And uh, I don't know what to say. Maybe we ought to just say, well, look, if we want the player, we might have to pay a little bit more than we would like to. Because A, we need the players. B, everyone knows we've got a load of money. And C, that's kind of what happens. That if we all value a player at this or that, chances are he's going to sell for a bit more, just because that's the way the transfer market works. So realistically, we might have to just uh, swallow our pride a bit and pay the money that we have to pay. I think we need three or four players. Tim said four or five earlier on. I think three, four would do it. We need a left back. We need a center half. We need a creative midfielder. We may need a defensive midfielder. And I think we need another striker as well. But with Bentner not going anywhere, it seems, he could well be part of the squad. I know that won't please a lot of people, but, you know, uh, to me, he's good backup. And if we're going to play him in the central role, as and when we might need him, that's fine. Playing him as a winger doesn't do anyone any favors. Not us, not Bentner, not anyone. But as a backup center forward, I think we could do a lot worse. And, uh, you know, I think we need somebody other than Shamak 
to fill in for Robin Van Persie as the season progresses. So um, let's hope between now and the end of the transfer window, the club get their act together. If they're waiting for the Champions League qualification, they've now got it. There's no excuse not to spend the money. The team needs it. It needs it. There's no other way around that. We're injury prone. We're light on players. We've lost two of our very, very best players. Well, one of our very, very best players, that's Sesk, and we've lost a good player on his day, and that's Nasri. We've seen them come and go, and he is quite replaceable. And maybe Gervinho is actually the replacement, but we do need somebody to replace Sesk in midfield, or maybe one or two players. There's talk about this guy, Jan Mavilla, or Mavilla from, from Rennes, or Ron, or who. I don't know how you pronounce it, but that's where he comes from. And maybe the idea is to play this uh, double-holding midfielder, move Jack Wilshire forward, because that's Jack's uh, natural game. It's more naturally attacking than defensive. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, but I still think we need a signing in there. Um, so let's hope that the manager can get that sorted, maybe before Sunday. If not before Sunday, it's Wednesday at midnight. That's when the transfer window closes. If we don't make signings before then, well, results will dictate what happens. Uh, but if we show a little bit of ambition and, and go out and spend some money, then there's a, there's a bit of leeway for everyone involved. If we don't, every single bad result is going to be blamed on the fact that we haven't spent money and we've gone into uh, a new season through a, a transfer window and made a profit of £80 million. Pounds. Uh, no other, I, I don't know any other club at which that might happen. So I hope it won't happen at Arsenal. I hope this time next week... We're talking about all the new players that we've got and how we're going to fit them into our side. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed for Sunday that we can get something out of this game. Uh, a win would be amazing. A draw would be fantastic. A defeat, well, I don't even want to think about it. But I, uh, you know, I'm not terribly hopeful about Sunday. But anyway, you never know. They could take on the uh, spirit and character of Wednesday night in Udinese and the confidence that that might bring. And maybe we can just surprise Manchester United and maybe just surprise ourselves as well. So I'm going to keep everything crossed for that. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. Talk to you on next week's Arscast. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Do you, Frimpong, take this Frimpong to Frimpong and to Frimpong, in Frimpong and in Frimpong, till Frimpong do you Frimpong? I Frimpong. And do you, Frimpong, take this Frimpong to Frimpong and to Frimpong, in Frimpong and in Frimpong, till Frimpong do you Frimpong? I frimpong.
By the Frimpong vested in me by Frimpong, I now pronounce you Frimpong and Frimpong. You may now Frimpong the Frimpong. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.